many people receive that blessing for your family, for your children, for your generation. Amen. When the Lord speaks a blessing. I'm telling you, the enemy cannot reverse it. And so just let that blessing of the Lord rest on you today and your family. Amen. Well, before you take your seat, why don't you high five or shake somebody's hand and tell them it's so good to see them today in the Lord's house. And if you're online with us, it's good to be seen, I guess, in your house today. We love that you've joined us. God bless you. Fantastic. Our theme, our theme this year, all year, has been fearless. You know, coming out of two years of COVID and fear and lock up and lockdown and all that, we just set at the beginning of the year in January a theme of fearless, creating a courage culture. Not living in a fearful state of heart or mind. Fearless. And a few weeks ago, I spoke on creating a courage culture for every daughter and every sister in our church family. But I also want us to create a courage culture for every son and every brother. And just like there's a cloud of confusion over women in ministry, there's a cloud of confusion over men in society. Dr. Jordan Peterson, clinical psychologist, I've read his books, the last two books he's written I've read. Jordan Peterson says this, men are facing an unparalleled demoralization inculcated by an extremely damaging ideology. Unparalleled demoralization brought on by an extremely damaging ideology. A progressive, woke ideology where men are demoralized demeaned and degraded. Men are confused on how to be a man in a culture that's anti-male and anti-masculine. And I want us to answer the question, what does it mean to be a man? It's one thing to be a male, but it's another thing to be a man. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, who I've read many of his books and had the privilege of sitting under his ministry many, many times before he died, in his book, Maximized Manhood, Dr. Cole said, being a male is a matter of birth. Being a man is a matter of choice. We're going to use as our foundation scripture for this talk today and probably next week at least as well, we're going to use Ephesians 4.13 as a foundation for this teaching. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to mature 
manhood. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mature manhood is what I want to talk about. The measure of a man is what I want to talk about. Mature manhood, the Greek words teleos anir. Teleos anir. Mature manhood. Teleos means a man who has grown in mental and moral character. Character. It actually can even mean the word perfect. The King James Bible says unto a perfect man. But it doesn't mean perfect as in perfection. It means perfect as in matured, fully grown. Teleos. Teleos is the Greek word. Anir is the masculine word for man. Till we all come to a complete man. A man whose measure... So what is the measure of a man? A man whose measure is the stature of Christ. A man whose measure is the stature and the fullness of Christ. We become a man by the measure of the man. Adam was a man. But Jesus is the man. He's the man. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul refers to him like this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man. The man. Christ Jesus. Years ago I was in the States preaching for a church. And this great big strong African-American brother sort of was, was with me all the time and he was just such a friend and he helped me if I, if I needed anything. He was just there and I remember looking up to him, big fella, and I said, you the man. He said, no, but I know the man. The measure of a man is by the stature of the man. The man, the measure of a man is not determined by a toxic and demeaning ideology. So how does a man attain teleos, anir, mature manhood? Who will show him and teach him and model manhood for him? Well, I've asked Callum to join me here on the uh, pulp, in the pulpit here for just a moment to help me introduce this topic to you today. Come on, bud. Thanks, Pastor Jack. Hi, church. I'd like to just share a quick story uh, with you all today about untamed potential. And uh, this story is going to take us back to the late 1970s, where a new game park was being established in Pilansburg, South Africa. This game park would be a place where people from all over the world would view the beasts of the African wilderness. The location was perfect, set just two hours from Johannesburg, and the location was ideal for safari vehicles to drive along the grasslands. People from all over the world would kind of come and see this game park, but there was one issue. There was not enough animals. To fix this, they were going to transport in animals from places all around Central Africa. from other parks 
to make the park financially feasible. But transporting fully grown large male adult elephants proved a logistical nightmare for park owners, and not to mention an enormous cost. And so to fix this, park owners decided to transport in young adolescent elephants. They were lighter, they were easier to transport, and they thought that they were going to be easier to integrate with the other animals also establishing the park. But a short while after opening the park, rangers on their daily patrol came across a white rhinoceros, killed, violently and brutally. The white rhinoceros was one of the most endangered species on Earth. And so the killing was thought to be the act of poachers, but the horn of the rhinoceros remained intact, and the killing techniques were inconsistent with poaching techniques. So the rangers concluded that this must just be the teething issues of multiple new tribes of animals beginning to coexist in a new environment. But one killing of a white rhinoceros soon became more than 50. After extensive investigation, it was ecologist Gus Van Dyke who discovered the cause of the killings, a condition known as must. Must is an aggravated aggression and unpredictable behavior found in some male animals, especially elephants. It's tied to surges in testosterone designed to prepare adolescent males for mating and reproduction. But uncontrolled and completely new to the elephants of Polansberg, it turned them into ruthless killers. Solutions were thrown around by park owners as to how to solve this issue. Some suggested killing off the existing elephants, cutting losses and starting over. Others suggested castration to remove the source of testosterone altogether. But ecologist Gus Van Dyke proposed a different solution. Bring in adult male elephants, restore these tribes to their natural order, and see what happens. And so the chance was taken. The price of transport was finally made. And fully grown bull elephants were brought in. Within just hours of these elephants touching the Palantisburg grasslands, the killings completely stopped. And to this day, there have been no more killings of white rhinoceros in Palantisburg. See, male adult elephants also experience must every single year. But under the guidance and presence of these father figures, the young adolescents and their unpredictable, violent, erratic behavior was challenged and refined into a force not for harm, but one that would protect and prolong the survival of their tribe. Thanks very much. Thanks, Callum. Brilliant. Sometimes you need the old bulls. Because the young bulls don't always know, they don't always have that model to, to guide them. I'll put a stat up on the screen. I read this. 85% of all youths sitting in prison today, 85% grew up in a fatherless home. I want to show you over these next couple of weeks the five marks of manhood, how to be a man, what it means to be a man. These are the five qualities that define a man. These are the five characteristics that you must embrace and lay hold of 
to reach that mature manhood goal that we're looking at. It's easy to be a guy or a dude or a bloke or a bro. It is absolutely not easy to be a man. You're a male by birth. You're a man by choice. Some things you have to pursue and seek after. And so here are the five marks of a man. Truthfulness. Tenderness. Toughness. Trustworthiness. And teachableness. The five marks, the five facets that will bring a man to the measure of the stature of Christ to mature manhood. Truthful, tender, tough, trustworthy, teachable. Jesus said in Luke 6, in verse 45, a good man, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. I think Matthew's version says brings forth good things. And an evil man, an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil or evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If these five good treasures are held in your heart, you will be a good man and you will bring forth good things. Truth, tender, tough, trustworthy, teachable. In these five treasures, you will find transparency, humility, tenacity, responsibility, and accountability. In truth, you're transparent. In tender, you're humble. In tough, you're tenacious. In trustworthy, you're responsible. And in teachable, you're accountable. These are the things that mark and make a man. Satan and current culture would just as soon a man live his life in the stupor of pornography and the vacancy and vanity of video games. Lethargic, apathetic, pathetic. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away stupid things. Literally, childish things means, according to Strong's Concordance, simple-minded, stupid. When you live your life in the stupor of something, that's stupid. 
That's not Greek, that's just me. We read in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong. So let's look at number one today, truthfulness, embracing the truth. This is the foundation Loving and living the truth. Speaking the truth. We read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be truthful. Be full of truth. Truth. Live a life that's true. The truth. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth, it says we are to grow up, mature, teleos. How do we grow up? By speaking the truth. This is speaking the truth. We are to grow up in every way. You will never grow up as a man without this truthfulness as the core of your heart and the core of your being. Speaking the truth is how we grow up in every way into mature manhood. Here's your creed. Here's the credo. Here's your code. Here's your creed for every man. Three words. Colossians 3.9. Do not lie. That's your creed. That's your code. Do not tell a lie. Do not live a lie. Lying is dying. Truthfulness means living with authenticity and transparency. Now that's a powerful man. Authentic and transparent. Not posing. Not posturing. And not pretending, which men are so good at. Every man pretty much can easily have a black belt in posing. <laughs> not posing, not posturing, not pretending, but authenticity and transparency. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. Not posing, not pretending, and we read in 2 Timothy 3.13. But evil men, evil men, and imposters, imposters. You know what? They will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being 
deceived. But the mark of manhood that measures up to the stature of Christ is loving the light, living in the light, the light of life, not shadows, not secrets, not skeletons in closets, but bringing it out into the light, into the love, into the grace of God, into the goodness and kindness of God. We heard John's testimony uh, today, and there is no help in the closets of, 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 of shadows and, and, and skeletons. Here's, here's the beauty and the reality of what happens when we love the light and embrace the light and quit posing and quit pretending. It's 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. If we walk in the light, the truth, as he is in the light, two amazing things happen to a man's life. Here's what happens to the life of a man who, who embraces truthfulness for his life. First, we have fellowship with one another. Come on. I'm talking about a band of brothers. I'm talking about a, 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 a tight-knit group of brothers who can stand together, who can endure, who can pray, who can slap each other upside the head when a good old slap upside the head is needed. I'm talking about a band of brothers. I'm talking about not living your life in solitude, not living your life alone in a, in a place that's not safe. No, here's what happens when you walk in the light. Fellowship with one another. That's number one. And number two, and blood of Jesus cleansing from every sin. Every sin. We're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about being forgiven. We're talking about being cleansed. We're talking about uh, taking all the garbage of my life and bringing it to the cross and letting the blood of Jesus wash me and cleanse me. And every time I muck up or screw up, I'm back on my knees. I'm right there again, pleading the blood of Jesus. And I get back up again, clean and in the light. I'm not talking about not failing. I'm talking about going to my knees every time and letting the blood of Jesus and my band of brothers. I'm talking about fellowship with one another and blood that cleanses us from every sin. This is the light. This is living in the light. This is what truth does. The measure of a man is to hate the fake. You got to hate it. You got to hate the fake that you would find in any part of your life. Jesus said this, the Pharisees, man, they were bagging him out. They were calling him everything. They were accusing him. This was one of the worst encounters ever, the most disrespectful talk they gave to Jesus. But he said this, in John chapter 8 and verse 26. I have much to say about you, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. And that's what you've got to be. Completely truthful. This is the measure of the stature of Christ. Job was in trouble and his friends came and accused him of all kinds of stuff. But Job said this to his friends in Job 27, verse 5. Far be it from me that I should say you're right, because you're not right. But here's what he said. Till I die, 
I will not put away my integrity from me till I die. I will not put away my integrity in front of me or from me. And we read in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely. I'm telling you, this whole world is filled with slippery slopes everywhere. It is just filled with slippery slopes and traps and snares and evil and wicked and all kinds of stuff going on, confusion. But I can tell you this, the man who walks with integrity walks securely. Truthful, integral, authentic, transparent. Truth is the first of the five treasures of a good man. My favorite poet of the 20th century was a British man named Edgar Guest. I think I was about seven years old when he died. Do yourself a favor and read a poem by Edgar Guest. I want to read this to you. This is a poem he entitled, Am I True? Am I true to myself? I have to live with myself. And so I want to be fit for myself to know. I want to be able, as days go by, always to look myself in the eye. I don't want to stand with the setting sun and hate myself for things I've done. I don't want to keep on a closet shelf a lot of secrets about myself and fool myself as I come and go into thinking that nobody else will know the kind of man I really am. I don't want to dress up myself in sham. I want to go out with my head erect and I want to deserve all men's respect. But here in the struggle for fame and pelf, I want to be able to like myself. I don't want to look at myself and know that I'm bluster and bluff and empty show. I can never hide myself from me. I see what others may never see. I know what others may never know. I never can fool myself. And so, whatever happens, I want to be self-respecting and conscience-free. We want to establish a courage culture where sons can boldly become men, unflinching, unashamed, unapologetic. Let this house be filled with men, with mature manhood, men who are measured by the stature of Christ. Can I just get an amen from at least one woman? Girls, you went real quiet on me. You know I'm preaching this for you, right? What is the measure of a man? A truthful man. A tender man. A tough man. 
a trustworthy man and a teachable man. Would you stand with me? Could I ask our team to come? I felt like this morning and yesterday as I was going over this word again that I was hearing the cries of men who want to start again. I didn't know John's testimony was on today and I didn't know what he was going to say in that testimony. There's something so powerful about being able to start again, to start afresh, to go back to the start line. Let's just start this again. Let's just get up and dust ourselves off and let's just go right back to the starting line. And let's begin again. We just are in a society that is so confused. And I'm not talking about being measured by society. I'm talking about being measured by the stature of Jesus Christ, the man. And I believe that this talk today and next week is a start over for some. So I'm going to ask every head to bow, every eye to close. As Edgar Guest said, only, only I know the, 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 the life that I live inside. Only I know that. But for every man that's been crying out or there's been a, a yearning in your heart to do better, to maybe back up and have another go, there's just been this yearning for something new, you kind of, you know, dying in the boredom of a self-absorbed life, nothing more boring than that, nothing more meaningless than that, nothing more unsatisfying than that, but to begin again with the measure of Christ, the measure of the stature of the man, truthfulness, tenderness, toughness, trustworthiness, teachableness, then I present this word to you and I invite the Holy Spirit to begin to move in your heart and I invite you to respond to him. I invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin again a fresh work in your heart. So I'm going to finish, but I want to pray right now. I'm going to ask every head to please bow, every eye to close. And I just wonder, with no one looking around, I don't know, maybe it's better if we all lifted our eyes up and looked around, but I think I'll just take this, this, this way. But if there's a man, one or two or more men in here today that would say, this is for me, I just want this, I need a fresh, I just need, I just, this, there's, there's been something in my heart, I've been crying out for a long time for something fresh and something new. And I'm gonna lean into this and I'm gonna respond to the Holy Spirit over these next two weeks. If that describes your heart, every head bowed, I want you to lift your hand so that I can just see it. So there's some hands, there's quite a few hands actually. There's a lot of hands, actually, all over this building. There's hands everywhere. 
God bless the hands of the men right now that are being raised. You're going to take advantage of this time, and you're going to lean in. And I'm telling you, every man with your hand raised, you just get ready for another day, another adventure, another start, a freshness, because God is full of mercy, and God is full of grace, and God is full of kindness. He is not judgmental and condemning. That's the work of the enemy. God is right now wanting to draw every man to himself, to cleanse you with his precious blood, and to bring you into a band of brothers, and into a friendly and a fellowship place. And so, Father, you see our hands. My hand is raised too, Lord. And Jesus, we want to measure up to you. We're so, men are so looked down upon in society. But we're part of a kingdom. And we have a king and a cause. And we just want to yield and surrender. And Lord, a lot of men right now are making decisions. I pray today would be a day of new beginnings in Jesus' name. Amen.